Hello, PodFam, and today we are bringing you a very exciting guest. Her name is Nicole Overcamp, and this woman is a powerhouse. She is a personal finance expert and a business coach for women. She's the founder and CEO of both Wilcox Financial Group and the Powerhouse Money Coaching. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Can you share what you're drinking with us today? I am drinking a very refreshing soda water. Excellent. Got to stay hydrated. (laughs) Always. (laughs) And also joining us is Rachel. Rachel, what are you drinking today? I have uh, a new tea and it's the gingerbread tea. Lovely. I love it. And that's a prayer tea, isn't it? It is. It is. Every, you kept talking about it on the show and I was like, oh, I got to get this. And I finally am having it today and it's my first ever sipping and it's lovely. Excellent. Yes. Well, I'm also joining yeah. on the Puerto Tea today. I'm having a toffee caramel. Got to keep a little bit of caffeine even though it is the evening. But Nicole, mm-hmm. we are so excited to have you here today because uh, Rachel and I both work in the finance space and we just see it every day. Uh, you know, people who are not getting the proper financial literacy training that they should have to go through life. Mm -hmm. And um, we just kind of want to start with, you know, what's your story and how did you get into finance? Sure. So I first agree that there definitely is not enough education around finance and the basics. Uh, And I actually was... uh, one of those women. I I got started Mm -hmm. in the industry almost by accident. I was working three different jobs, going through college. One of them was for a financial advisor. And so I ended up really getting interested in the industry, learning more about it. And so I did a aggressive pivot from wanting to be a uh, family court a lawyer to being a financial advisor. It, it sounded a lot more attractive to me, a lot less college. <laughs> True. And uh, Fair enough. yeah, you know, I'm really terrible at sitting still and, and all of that reading gave me a little bit of anxiety. And, and truly the advisor that I worked for was like almost like his grandfather figure. And he was just concerned I wouldn't be able to afford life uh, with what I had ahead of me and in my current circumstance. And I love the idea of helping people, but also like having the business side without so much, you know, I think associated drama. Little did I know (laughs) this came with that, but um, you know, it's all good. I I really love it. So that's how I got into it truly. And, and I, um, I mean, I was 21 at the time and, mm-hmm. and ended up getting licensed and stayed at a, a pretty big financial firm until uh, 2012. And that's when I decided to leave in and start my own firm because I, I felt that I should be doing better. And, and what I mean by that is I didn't know anything about adulting or the real world when I started and how everything worked. And the more I learned about the industry where I was, was so sales heavy. It was product focused, not holistic planning focused. Um, you know, and in the beginning, I think I was brainwashed to think that I was doing that, but really backdooring a product, right? You know, and I'm sure you guys have experienced that, seen it. And uh, and so I, the more I learned, I, I knew not only could I do better, but I wanted to do better in a space that was 
created for women. Uh, you know, I, I had mm-hmm. so many horrible experiences looking back, like I wish I knew now, uh, or then what I knew now, right, uh, about not only um, the, the discrimination, but what was so <laughs> inappropriate and, and even experiencing how advisors in a, a room with a couple wouldn't even speak to the woman. Oh, that's so true. Yeah, like wouldn't listen to uh, the questions that she had or the things that were important to her. It was like this, you know, bro talk and then talking over with all this financial jargon. And I was like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, there's more than one person in the room. And, and I, I, I believe the person you're not listening to is actually going to go home and make all the decisions. You know? Yeah, so. yeah, because it. It really yes. is the woman who would be like the purse keeper in traditional family homes, but the the man just provided the funds. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, and I could go on and on with stories there, but it was just, it wasn't in alignment with who I was becoming. Yes. Uh, and so I uh, I founded Wilcox Financial Group in, in 2012. And a few years after that, founded Pow Her House Money Coaching to really offer uh, a bit of a gap that Wilcox Financial couldn't fulfill in terms of the money coaching side and, and business coaching. There, There's so much, I think, you know, from, I, I almost say like powerhouse form from the lessons I learned in Wilcox <laughs> Financial from uh, the what not to do and when building a business and all of the business coaching and, and the strategic planning around that and the courses, but the money coaching too, like, you know, financial planning is terrific, but it's just too much too soon, I think, and, and overwhelming for a lot of women. You know, we we have so mm-hmm. many women that we work with where they're making really good money, but they have no idea where it goes or they need to work on a positive relationship with money, a healthy relationship and, and health habits and behaviors and just get the basic disciplines down before they're investing in a financial plan that they're not going to be able to stick to because they didn't do the groundwork first. Yes. I love that you brought up that point because it's something we're seeing so often where there's so many people, especially in the social media space, where they have this philosophy that they think anyone can follow. But what's happening is the people that it's directed at, they aren't covering the basics of, do they even know how to pay their bills? Do they know how to save just for an emergency fund? But they're they're jumping right into these high risk investments that people just don't understand. Exactly. Exactly. And, and um, what I found was a lot of the time women didn't speak up to ask the questions because they were embarrassed or afraid they'd be judged and they wouldn't understand what they were doing, but just agreed with it because, you know, well, that's the professional. That's what I should do. I'm being responsible. And then, um, it, you know, as you guys know, and I'm sure so many of your listeners have had that experience where they signed up for something, didn't know what it was, and then found out what it was and had that pit in their stomach, you know, um, or wish they would have had more information or they would have done things differently. And so, uh, you know, you're so right. Yeah. And it's just, oh, I kind of, I love how you got into finance because it just, it reminds <laughs> like myself and, and Rachel, like how we both got into our roles because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was someone who crashed and burned when it came to money. I had no idea what yeah. I was doing and I had to teach myself because mm-hmm. I did not want to live my life constantly feeling like I needed to be like paycheck to paycheck. And Rachel, for you, I just love that. Like you were also about to go into law school and then did a one and, did a 180 <laughs> right into finance. So it's I just love that I this love is it. how we all kind of got into this role. And I, I feel fundamentally, you know, we just 
we just want to do the best for for our clients and and help them actually learn and understand it, not just talk at them and say, this is what you should be doing because I say so. Mm-hmm. So I just love where you're coming from is just like, let's get down to the fundamentals and the basics. So, you know, you can take this and and truly understand what is happening with your money. Yeah. I mean, confidence and having the, um, the clarity behind the decisions you're about to make makes a world of a difference. And, and at the end of the day, I think what Maya Angelou, uh, in the more we know and, and know better, do better, right? Every mm-hmm. single time. And so with money, I, I don't think there's any quote that could state it better. Yeah, definitely. And I think that this section is a really good segue into one of our first questions, and that is just the common themes that we see that are just recurring when it comes to women and money. And one that we see a lot is that they either are just not necessarily interested in the whole financial world or they're highly anxious about it. And in your work, how do you go about engaging your clients in a way where they can gain financial acumen considering that they might not be interested or that they're just very nervous about it. Sure. So I think we can all admit uh, talking about finances or financial planning and investments isn't exactly the sexiest thing in the world. Like, you know, we don't all want to run out the door and go (laughs) sign up, you know. Um, So uh, let's, you know, uh, first address that. But, But second, I think it's really all about equating it to something that deeply matters. And I, I yeah. talk about that a lot. And so it's it's not the money. It's never the money. But all of mm-hmm. us, and, and I don't know a single woman who doesn't want something badly or uh, yearns for a specific lifestyle or the ability to do something for someone else. You know, of course, so many women, um, you know, are, are very overgenerous. So it's about thinking of it, of it in terms of what do you want your life to to look like? How would you like to live? How do you want to feel Mm -hmm. uh, this year over the next few years? And have, whether it's um, a one-on-one meeting and and having that conversation or even in a presentation and going through that exercise and writing it down, all of those Mm -hmm. things that, that you want, that you'd like to do, that you'd like to give, the experiences you want to have are done Mm -hmm. with a lot less stress when you have control of your money and you have the confidence behind the permission to spend or knowing that you can send your children to college or take them to Disney or whatever the case may be. And so I think if you start with the journey first and the feelings you want to have, Mm -hmm. it makes it so much easier to reverse engineer that into, okay, well now let's make that happen. And the making that that happen starts with your money. Yes. It's almost like you're just mm-hmm. making it more tangible in a sense, mm-hmm. right? Taking that dollar sign off and saying, okay, what's that goal? And I'm going to help you get there. Yeah. Which I think is so important because, you know, like Laura and I are pretty early into our careers, kind of in our late, mid to late 20s. And just the important life, I really do think that having a specified goal and a why you're saving or investing or really trying to do anything with your money is so important because it's a societal expectation that you should want a house. But if you don't know why, 
you want that house, you're not going to be motivated to actually do anything towards getting it. Yes. Uh, and why should you have a house? You know, I think that's another thing is we we do things because we think we should, mm-hmm. or yes. we ask ourselves what it is we actually want. Uh, and, and really thinking mm-hmm. about that, you know, it's, it's so important when you're planning for your future to look inside and start there versus looking outside and starting there. Uh, and then making sure the choices that you're, you're making are in terms of like putting your money where your goals are and not worrying what everybody else thinks, because one of the worst things that mm-hmm. you can do, uh, well, probably like, you know, planning in general and for your life, but is to compare yourself to everybody else because it just doesn't serve you. Mm-hmm. And we do it all the time. And, and even I can't, you know, I can tell you the number of times where I've had someone say, well, what are other people my age doing? <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're all matter, guilty of you know? that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. You know, we always want to know how we measure up, but at the end of the day, you know, does it matter that other 24 year olds are, are saving 15% or not? Because they're not you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're certainly not going to bail you out if you run into a pickle, you know. So oh, absolutely. it's yeah. just mm-hmm. funny how we naturally go there. Yeah. And especially, you know, everyone has a different tolerance of debt, I find. Um, mm-hmm. So just going back to how you want to measure up with your peers, you know, you see on Instagram, your high school friend just bought this beautiful home. But you don't know, like maybe they're very comfortable having uh, a big mortgage with high interest rates or you're not. And I feel like mm-hmm. that's where things get a little bit muddy because we just see people who are very similar to us and we think, you know, oh, they must make around the same amount of money that we do. But, you know, I, I can't afford a house. So what am I doing wrong? You know, I right. feel like that's a question mm-hmm. that we all ask ourselves. Yeah, you know, and, and it's it's important to remind yourself that you don't know what's behind the scenes. You know, it's just like yes. seeing that you know everyone's success, but you didn't see the journey to get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, in and you're so right. I mean, there's there's people who have these massive houses, but they might not be traveling ever. Yeah, they might <laughs> yeah. never travel. And maybe maybe yeah. mom and dad helped with the down payment. You know, like right. not everyone's advertising. Like, hey, look at the house my parents helped me buy. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Mm-hmm, true. <laughs> it kind of has a little bit less of a ring to it, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so just based on this, I, you know, we're talking about how you want to develop as a, as a person and in your professional career. What are your thoughts on the importance of investing and out, outside of, you know, the traditional investing? Sure. Um, how should our listeners be investing themselves to uh, develop further in their personal and professional lives? Mm-hmm. So my one of my favorite quotes is, if you want to invest in anything, invest in yourself, because that's the only thing that's going to get you a guaranteed return. Oh, yes. And, I love that. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, no one else is going to be your own advocate mm-hmm. better than you. No one else is going to be a mm-hmm. cheerleader better than you. And no one else is stopping you but you. Yes. And so if you want something or need help with something or know there is a course or a a professional or a coach or an advisor, whoever it is that is going to help you get from where you are now to where you want to go quicker, 
you should always invest in yourself. Uh, you are, you're worth the effort. We are worth the effort and we forget about that. And we don't always mm-hmm. realize that, uh, albeit sometimes scary to spend money on something that we, we can't exactly, you know, see as tangible. It is, you have to ask yourself, well, what are the results going to be? What is the value that I'm actually getting out of this? If I make an investment to hire a coach for $5,000, is it going to help you make 30000 more? You know, mm-hmm. I always equate to mm-hmm. it like paying for college, except usually when we invest in ourselves as adults or, or growing and learning, that return sometimes is better because I think there's many of us that can relate to the not getting a whole lot out of all of our colleges. No, no, we got a lot of debt. We've got that but to we show have for a, it. Yeah, exactly. We have a lot of debt, you know, especially like my generation, you know, it, you know, back in and back in the day, quote unquote, you know, when we went to school, it was like, there wasn't the option today. It wasn't as okay to not go to school. It was yeah. you're graduating uh, mm-hmm. high school and you're going to college. Who cares what you do, but you're going to college. And so um, I, I think so many of us, it kind of went blindfolded and we were like, okay, we're going to do the thing, but we don't exactly know what we want to be when we grow up. And then we're just going to accumulate mass debt in the process. <laughs> so, um, you know, yep. <laughs> and, and as you know more about who you, you want to become or, or what it is that you need, um, investing in yourself is so critical. And, and, and I can even say from a personal experience, it's something that I've always been terrified of uh, because I I'm cheap chip. And I always think like, you know, I'll figure it out myself. I'll do it myself. And I, I have like a, a huge like cloud of uh, almost like shame around me where I'm always nervous to ask for help because I don't want to be viewed as incompetent or um, yeah. like I can't figure it out on my own. And, and yeah. the reality of it is, you know, is every time I've invested in help um, or some kind of professional development not only was a burden lifted because I'm like, okay, I'm not walking this path alone anymore. Mm-hmm. It always paid off tenfold, you know, in so many different ways. And there's there's this big ripple effect that, that comes from that. Even the, you know, I think the uh, gratitude or, or confidence in it you instill in yourself that once you make a big, huge, like, payment, you're, <laughs> you're more likely <laughs> to do the thing because you're like, holy crap, I just yeah. invested all this money. Now it just got real, right? Yes. Um, and, and you're more accountable to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, when I was transitioning into the finance industry, you know, I knew I wanted to get there. But in Canada, the base level course that you have to take is the Canadian securities course. And, you know, I was working in an industry where I was not making a lot of money. And to do this course, which was a self-study with two exams, um, it was about $1,600. And to me, that was that was a lot of money that I just didn't have sitting around. But the thing is, when I pushed myself to do that, and I got my new job, I immediately got a salary boost because I had completed that course. And I've done a couple more now since starting that job. And I think those uh, professional development courses have made me more money than my university degree. Mm-hmm. You know, just yeah. so it's it's true. You know, sometimes it is that financial shock at first. But nine times out of 10, you are going to see those returns. And even if it's just in your own education of what you know. Yep. So, so true. And, and, you know, so it's always, you got to think, 
value over price. Yes. Because if you if you pay thirty thousand dollars and make a hundred thousand, it didn't cost you anything. If you pay eighty thousand dollars and make nothing, <laughs> it's really expensive. You know, hence yeah. my student loans, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, it you know, it's it's just asking yourself the questions and 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 really being honest with yourself, I think is a good start. Mm -hmm. I really like what you're saying about valuing what you're going to get at the end, because I feel like from the sounds of it, we had a very similar experience when it came to law school is that I was super into it. And I was like, I'm going to do this. I did the LSAT. I invested in a prep course and such. And then I had the eight month period, nine month period of waiting to hear if I got in at all. And then my brain was going through because I had uh, taken on a project job at the finance company I now work at. And I was just like, oh, I'm starting to make some decent money here and I really enjoy it. And my brain started doing the math of, well, I'm not going to be able to work during law school time. Mm -hmm. And depending on where I go, it's like could be 40000 plus worth of debt per year. And I was just like, I don't know if what I'm going to get at the end of this is going to warrant that amount of money from me. And also there's the chance too with law school uh, specifically where what if you get to the end and you don't even like it? Mm -hmm. And I think when I went through that process, I figured out that, you know, another option was better for me. But just going through that exercise of really being like, where am I going to be when this is over is super important for really also just gaining confidence in your decisions as well as, you know, making the right financial choice for you. Mm -hmm. It's such a good point. So, um, you know, do not go to law school because you loved the movie Legally Blonde. <laughs> I feel a little bit attacked by that. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Well, um, you just revealed her secret. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I was like calling myself out. That is so funny. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Guys, it's not like Legally Blonde, unfortunately. Not at all. But that movie hooked me right on in. <laughs> yeah, it really did. I was just like, I'm going to be like Elle Woods. Bring my little, uh, I, have a, I have a bunny instead of a dog, but I'll bring my little bunny to class with me. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. Well, I'd like to um, turn this conversation around actually mm -hmm. to what we were talking about a bit at the beginning of this episode, which is just about women and putting the decisions about the finances, leaving it to their partner, which is okay. But something that in our line of work we've been noticing a lot is that something will happen to the relationship, whether it's a divorce or their husband passes away, and these women are just completely lost mm -hmm. on how to handle money. And what would your first step be for a woman in this situation as her advisor? Ask questions. Uh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> and there are so many women that I, I've talked to over the years, and I, I've actually gotten a little bit bolder about my approach on this too out of experience, you know, and now I have so mm -hmm. much conviction that it's non-negotiable to have the conversation and get on the same page with your partner. It doesn't mean you have to like change responsibilities or anything, but what it means is you need to know where the money is going and be aware of everything um, because mm -hmm. everything is fine 
until it's not. And there's been so many circumstances that I've experienced with clients where they, uh, you know, told me, well, I don't need to know and everything's fine. And my husband's taking care of it until he's leaving her Mm -hmm. or, you know, God forbid he, he passes away, but more often than not, it's divorce and there's, they're always blindsided and, you know, it's just horrible. And if earlier on in the relationship, they would have asked more questions, understood the information, uh, they would have been able to have a better handle on finances or maybe they would have left him first. I don't know. But um, <laughs> uh, but but it really is so important. So even if it's something that you're not interested in, that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to at least have a good understanding of what your assets are. What are the joint household goals? You guys have to be playing as a team. And then also understand where everything is. Make sure the beneficiaries on your accounts are proper. Make sure you understand that your spouse has enough life insurance if they are the primary income earner, or even if you're equal income earners and you have children, like you don't want to leave yourself high and dry in a tragic circumstance. And, and I've had a lot of instances where the spouse assumed, you know, one spouse was like, everything's fine. My other, you know, my, my husband handles it or my wife handles it and it's all good. And they were handling it quote unquote out of pride (laughs) and they thought it was their role. However, once Mm -hmm. they came together and we had a meeting jointly and got them both on the same page, that spouse that handled the money was incredibly relieved because we were like, oh my God, I'm so mm-hmm. glad I'm having this conversation. I was embarrassed to admit I wasn't really sure if I was always doing the right thing, but I didn't want to put that stress on my wife or on my husband, right? And so uh, there's the mm-hmm. other side to it too, where sometimes when that communication just doesn't happen, there's this resistance uh, or resentment that builds up and it can get pretty ugly. You know, the the second cause of divorce in the US, I, I don't know about Canada, but I bet it's not too far apart, is mm-hmm. uh, financial issues, right? Next to infidelity. And so, and, and I think those scales might even be tipping a little bit and so it, you know, you, if you want to be married and retire together, die together, you have to play as a team when it comes to money, just like everything else and, and go in eyes wide open. Yes, absolutely. And I know just um, through people I have known in my life, their partner did take on the majority share of the financial responsibility of the household. And then, you know, literally when shit hit the fan, they found out that there were mass amounts of debt and yeah. things that the the other partner had no idea about, but were now legally attached to that, even though they were someone who um, was very good with their own credit. So mm-hmm. going off of that a little bit, this is a bit of a side topic, but are you a sure. big supporter of cohabitation agreements and prenups? I love this question. Well, uh, I think it, it depends. I, I'm a, a bigger fan of postnuptial agreements if yes. you are going in, okay. right? Because if you're going, let's say it's uh, two young individuals where neither one of you really have any assets, a prenup's not mm-hmm. going to do you a whole lot of favors, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but it's going through the marriage and after you acquire a lot of assets, and let's say one was responsible and one was not, 
uh, that's where where you you might want to consider those types of things and and have more of a postnuptial agreement and or if you're cohabitating and you're not married, even more important, especially if you are let's say for example cohabitating, one of you is on the deed uh, to the home paying the mortgage, the other one's paying rent. Uh, you're going to want to talk that through if you're planning on being there for a very long time. And if you're okay, just paying rent and not having any um, equity in that asset. But if you're, you know, I've seen circumstances of which, you know, they're paying rent and then helping fix things up and doing this and doing that. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, uh, and the assumption is, well, we're going to get married one day. It's fine. But like, are you really going to just, you know? Um, And so having agreements like that, where maybe you're not on the deed to the home, because if you're not married, that could be a little sticky, tricky, but uh, having agreements where if you leave that residence, you're reimbursed any of the capital improvements or something to that effect uh, is a really good idea. And, and you know, I, I think engaging in any relationship, it, the, the most important thing is to just be upfront and transparent, like um, in and have the money conversation. I, I can't stress that enough. You know, Sarah and I always joke like on dating apps, it should be like, what's your credit score? Before like you get into like, I have blonde hair and blue eyes and I like to take long walks on the beach uh, because mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's so much more important. And so going in into that and, and asking the questions and, and I do understand the um, emotions that can come behind a, a postnuptial agreement or a prenup or anything like that, because it feels like you're kind of going in expecting to get divorced. Uh, but, yeah. you know, I think the reality of it is, 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 and, and it's very individualistic, you know, and, and you go, you know, your exposure, right. Um, is that anything can happen and we all enter a marriage hoping to die with that person. Uh, but that's yeah. just not how life works. You know? No, like so, it's, it's 50-50, right? Uh, yeah. According to today's yeah. stats on on marriage. And really, it's just you need to be almost planning for the worst when you're at your happiest. You know, when yeah, they are the so love true. of your life, talk about when things are going to go wrong. That's really mm-hmm. the best thing you can do because if you do put this off until things are really toxic and unhealthy, well, no one's going to be playing fair at that point. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yes. Um, So what if someone has a partner who is reluctant to share financial information um, or share the responsibility? You know, let's say the boyfriend doesn't really want to talk about all their student debt that they might have because they're embarrassed or they just feel like that's not the partner's place. So I think that if it is a dating scenario, that can be you know, depending on how long you've been dating and and that kind of thing, that that might be something that you drop an approach later, depending on how serious you get, Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, but if they are reluctant to that, I think you need to question uh, the dynamic of the relationship Uh, or sometimes we don't realize how we act. And so is it that we are acting as if we have all our shit together and, you know, (laughs) poo poo on you if you don't, uh, you know, and, and sometimes we don't realize how, how we can come off. Uh, but maybe it is, you know, asking the, well, do you think I'm going to not love you anymore? Or do you think I'm going to be upset or, uh, asking some of those open-ended questions about where the resistance could be coming from. 
because Mm -hmm. money is incredibly vulnerable and it brings up weird things in people and weird emotions that you didn't even know exist sometimes until you said it out loud. Uh, And so I think asking those questions, but before you do, you have to ask yourself, regardless of what comes out of his or her mouth, am I going to be cool with that? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Yes. And if not, then what? And so have Mm -hmm. that conversation with yourself first before you move forward, because you need to, to also be at peace with that. Right. Right. Um, and, and you don't want to necessarily bury your head under the sand either. That's not good. So, so you definitely want to a start the conversation to your point, if they're reluctant or resistant, ask some of those open-ended questions that it's, it's more of a seeking to understand right? Um, Versus just hounding and making assumptions. I don't think that's a good way to crack an egg ever. And then if it's in a marriage situation and um, you've done the seek to understand and they're still resistant, getting angry about it and and not wanting to do anything together, um, no matter what you try or what you do, and even if you bring in a professional, 95% of the time, Sarah and I see those marriages end in divorce. Uh, And it's Mm -hmm. either because that person plans on leaving anyway, um, there's infidelity, they're hiding money in their business or... Or, 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 or they're, they're hiding a a habit like drinking or gambling. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so those, those instances, you know, I I hate to say it, but we, we can call pretty quick when no matter what happens, they're absolutely against doing anything um, in, in revealing any kind of information. So, uh, you know, it's, it's just ask the questions, get really curious, but be, you know, and, and as you're asking the questions or maybe before you start, look within and just say, okay, how am I going to approach this? What are the questions I'm going to ask if they're resistant and am I okay with any answer or not? And that's okay not to be okay with any answer, you know, believe me. Um, but you just want to know that I think going in to kind of prep yourself um, in, in mm-hmm. terms of how that could go. Those are such good points. And kind of springing off of this, what are your thoughts, especially going into a marriage on the joint account versus keeping your accounts individual debate? So I, I, I have a, a personal opinion and then I have a professional okay. opinion, right? So okay. my professional opinion always is do what works for you. If you want to uh, yours, mm-hmm. mine, ours, that's totally cool, but be on the same page about it. So yes. you still have to be on the same page and understand what uh, each other want in your goals so that you're not inadvertently working against each other or going in completely mm-hmm. blind. So it is okay to have separate accounts or joint accounts or a combination of the two. Uh, but if you are doing that, you still want to be on the same page and have some clarity and transparency. But some some couples like to keep it separate because they're like, I don't want you know, to be questioned for my like shopping or whatever. Um, just make sure yeah. that you're, you're both... Um, working toward the same goal cohesively. Uh, and, and then if that is the case, you have separate accounts, make sure that you have proper beneficiaries or, or what's called TODs or transfer on death forms for non-retirement accounts yep. uh, and then your estate documents in place. So power of attorney or wills or, uh, you know, especially in Canada, if there's something different than the U.S., you want to make sure that that is, is uh, covered because if you're not joint on everything and, and God forbid something happened, it doesn't have to be death. It could be a coma. Uh, you want to make sure that you can handle those 
um, those things for one another and not have it be a headache because marriage doesn't give you like automatic rights to all of yes. that stuff. So you want to be, want to be cautious about that and just, uh, you know, you know, knowing the facts. And so, um, and, and then for me personally, like my husband and I, um, you know, I, I'm very traditional. I'm dying with him, whether he likes it or not. Uh, you know, and, and we've been through some shit. So, you know, I, I certainly don't have my, my head in the sand, but I didn't do some things right in the beginning, you know, and I've learned from that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for us, we do have all of our accounts joint, uh, because it works for mm-hmm. us. You yes. know, we, we totally believe that we're, we're married, we're a team, it goes together. Uh, but, but I understand fully that that doesn't work for everyone. And it's certainly not the advice I give to everyone, depending on the relationship. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really agree with kind of both of those perspectives. And we've uh, had that debate on this show before. So (laughs) I was really eager to hear what you had to say. Just we have another a third professional in the room with us. And speaking of being financial professionals, we want to ask you this because we are trying Uh to figure it out for ourselves. <laughs> and <laughs> we're not quite there yet. And uh, how do you instill healthy boundaries with your clients, especially the more anxious ones, so that they don't feel you're reachable 24-7? So a couple of things. And in the first is people rise to the expectations that you set for them. Okay. If you if yes. you don't set expectations and boundaries, they will not follow them and they will also not value your time, right? Because if, if yes. you don't set that, we have 40 minutes or one hour and you just leave it open-ended, they're going to think you have all day. Uh, and so that's mm-hmm. the first thing is just actually setting them and, and setting the, the boundary and the expectation. And so for us and with our clients, it is the... Uh, if it's a meeting, for example, we have a very specific time that we're available and they know that. And a lot of our clients, when they're meeting with us, like they'll watch the clock more than us. Like, I know we only have 20 more minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to make sure I get into this. And then if we mm-hmm. have clients where I know are an emotional wreck or going through something really traumatic, I am mm-hmm. more available and I've made that choice. So Okay. Uh, I have some clients where I, I tell them, DM me, like DM me, shoot me a text, call me, um, because I know that they're going through a period of time where they need their hand held mm-hmm. and they're like mm-hmm. on the edge, you know, and, and so sometimes it's a, a really devastating divorce, a death in, in that. Um, to me, that's part of the job. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. we signed up for a role that is an extremely high responsibility. It's a high honor. And so if there's a, a period of time where a client is going to need us because they're going through something like that, I, I personally feel like that's the job I signed up for to be around the clock, uh, you know, in those instances. And so, you know, it, it's definitely trying to find those balances. And 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 I, I know that there's um, you know, many advisors don't feel that way that I do and, and certainly have, you know, specific eight to, to five hours and, and that's it. And I'll get back to you the very next day. And, um, and, and with most of our clients, that's totally acceptable most of the time, you know, and, um, mm-hmm. and we, I have a team, so we always respond to emails within 24 hours. If we don't nudge us because we're human and we missed it kind of thing. Uh, so, you know, I, I do have that support, but, 
But I definitely, uh, in certain circumstances with clients that I know they need us or depending on the uh, engagement, especially if it's it's coaching or, or planning one of those things, um, I will I will definitely be pretty reachable all the time, you know, and it's, um, and my husband understands that too. And so it, it was part of our upfront contract and, and even starting in a relationship, I was like, this is what I do. These are my hours. This is what it looks like. Take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, and, and so he, he sometimes does get frustrated because you, you never know when um, crisis is going to call, but at the end of the day, he gets it and supports it. So I think that is, is a choice you have to make as a professional. If you're going to choose to uh, be available during those critical moments for, for some clients, knowing it's not going to be all the time, but just in moments mm-hmm. um, or not. Mm-hmm. And, and truly, there's not a right or wrong there. There's not. Um, but for me, it's more of a, a personal choice. And um, and I don't expect my team to have to show up like that. Um, but I, I choose to. Yeah, it really is a give and take with these mm-hmm. relationships. Because just like you said, you know, there's going to be times where they need you to hold their hand through everything. But then, like, you know, a few months down the road, they're able to uh, step back and really handle things for themselves. So I love that you have those boundaries, yet they're flexible. You know, you need to know what what your client needs at that time. And Rachel and I, we're both in the uh, family office space in the industry. So we're very ingrained with many aspects of our clients' lives. So, you know, we get phone calls about things that aren't even related to money. They're just, yep. they're just having a rough day. And you yeah. know, whoever that uh, financial person in their life is, they're the backseat driver, right? You know, you're with them on their journey. And sometimes they just need a shoulder to lean on. Um, so I love, love, love that you're just that person for your clients because that is more valuable than almost anything. Yeah, you're so right. You know, we, when, when you're doing, when you're helping with money or, or planning, you're touching every single part of their life and, uh, you know, taking that into consideration, having a deep understanding of that is so important. And, and you guys obviously do, uh, you know, and, and so you, you, you'll find your cadence, I think. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just a matter of, of knowing when, when to call it. And then you'll also know if you don't already, I'm sure you do. Like there's some clients that you never give your cell phone to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, you know, I have learned that lesson too, you know, uh, for sure, where I was like, what was I thinking? Yeah. And, that's the, uh, um, if you yeah. give them an inch, they take a mile. <laughs> 100 percent yeah I've, I've definitely had to have some tough conversations you know like i i love you but you're not in crisis right now so let's go ahead and talk about this next week you know um not on mm-hmm. sunday night you know <laughs> no no it's not a sunday night problem <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so I, i've kind of had to you know retrain some some clients that early on um you know and, and when i just started the business i didn't have enough money for an office phone i only had my cell phone so like i didn't have a choice you know mm-hmm. yeah. uh and so there there had to be a lot of retraining happen there but uh you know those are, are growing pains i suppose over the years Mm-hmm. All right, let's let's get a little bit more into your personal endeavors now, Nicole. So you wrote a book, Money Bitch, a no BS guide for smart women to own their financial future. Tell us about it. You know, we, we've definitely got to pick up a copy, Rachel. This has to be added to the library. Yes, we do. 
Yes, please do. Uh, so, so I wrote it with my partner, Sarah, and uh, mm-hmm. we had a blast writing it truly, uh, you know, and, and I think I had more fun than her because, um, bless her heart. Like I, I wrote the sloppy copy outline and I was like, here you go. <laughs> you know, make it really, really good because she's so good at the details and she's so good at English. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. not me, you know, you, you'd read something from me and you'd, you'd think like, is English her second language? I don't understand what's going on here. You've um, got all the great thoughts, you yeah. know, sometimes it's getting yeah. to the, the paper. It, Yes. We got a little disconnect sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we always joke like I'm the wow, she's the how. And I love really, that. Really, oh my god. Um, <laughs> play off of that with each other. It, it's just hilarious. But we, you know, in writing the book, like our number one reason for doing it truly was like, how can we make a bigger impact? And how can we mm-hmm. touch more women in, to think about something that's so important uh, in a way that isn't intimidating, in a way that doesn't want them to be turned off, but more so turned on, you know? Uh, and so we we interviewed over a hundred women for the book because I wanted to get the real information, the real problems and what was um, going through their minds because we, being in the industry, make so many assumptions of what people know, what they don't know. And Mm -hmm. I didn't want to talk about stuff Mm -hmm. that like didn't matter. And so we, we did that and, and compiled everything and had so many themes that were the same, regardless of age, regardless of status, income, race, whatever the case may be. And so that's really where our first two chapters came from. Our first two chapters aren't traditional money chapters. They're asking for help doesn't mean you're helpless and you're not a bitch for saying no. <laughs> Setting those boundaries, my friends, right? So uh, because the the themes over and over again were, were not uh, about investing. It wasn't about insurance. It was the I don't even know where to go because what if they can't help me? Or I yes. procrastinate about this because I'm afraid of what I might hear. And, and we work up these stories in our heads uh, about uh, so much that isn't as bad as we make it out to be, or um, you know, many other scenarios, or the, the feeling of like, well, I, I have this really great career and I'm I'm killing it at work, but I'm a financial train wreck personally. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to be judged by that. I'm, I'm super shamed by it. And so I'll just do it when, you know, I'll, I'll ask for help when things get better. I'm going to make it better next week or next month or next year, you know, and like, <laughs> that's a lie. So, you know, just, just do it in the moment. And then the saying no, setting boundaries, uh, saying no is huge. And, and I think as women, we want to please everybody and make everyone happy. And we don't realize how much that's costing us and our most valuable resource time. Um, and then of course, money. Mm-hmm. And there's so many ripple effects with that, especially with parents. And so um, those are, are the first two chapters. And the other ones are, are definitely on um, the, the, the money topics, if you will, right? Uh, you know, creating a spend plan and spending intentionally and we, why we hate budgets, uh, talking yeah. about <laughs> insurances and, and why you want to think of it in a way that's really powerful versus that like typical I don't want to buy insurance kind of thing and uh, investing and retirement 
environment and, and really tying it all together in story form. Like all, all of that, everything in the book is, is either my personal experience, Sarah's personal experience, our blunders, you know, we're not perfect. Like we've made plenty of mistakes and then client stories too, where we wanted women to, to like read it and relate to it. And then the last chapter uh, is about uh, being a business owner and what I went through in, in building the business and how it felt uh, and, and the mm-hmm. resistance that I got in and how hard it was because no one talks about that. Uh, and I interviewed uh, Lindsay Teague Morano, who is this incredible powerhouse entrepreneur. And she started, uh, she was a stay-at-home mom, started selling Young Living Oils and, and became a multi, multi-million dollar entrepreneur in, in finding her passion and her niche. And, and we talked about that in the interview. And it was really cool because uh, we, we are all more alike than we are different. And we had so much in common and with what she said, with what I felt and what all of the business owners that I interviewed felt had the exact same problem in the beginning. It was not having enough confidence. I wish I was more confident. I would have been here. Um, I said that she said that the person starting out said that, you know, and if you're, you're looking at like, holy crap, this is a powerhouse making over seven figures a month. I've, I've pushed through and, and built a, a company in a male-dominated industry after everybody told me I couldn't. And I'm talking to all these other women from the outside, look badass, but on the inside, they're like, I need to be more confident. We have a problem. Mm-hmm right? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we have a societal problem. And I think something that isn't addressed enough, that imposter syndrome, that confidence, like, why should we be ashamed to be our own cheerleaders uh, and and promote ourselves? And and I think we're, we're, it's getting better, but we're trained to think that that's not right. And so uh, that was that, that was the last chapter. So I, I know I digressed a little bit because I can talk about this stuff forever. Um, but that's the book Money Bitch. And, and so truly it's it's tons of information and just a literal guidebook as to what you need to know to go take action on something important to you. Yes. And I love um, your point about asking for help and demystifying that because I feel like the women who are very successful, they're very good at what they do, but they don't have that financial acumen, they feel like a failure. And I love that your point of view is go ask for help. Like you don't have to know everything and it's okay to be a beginner. Um, Just so many... Uh, highly ambitious women were just like, oh, we're missing one thing. So we're we're just terrible. You know, we can't get our finances in order. Mm-hmm. But it's okay to reach out and have like an advocate like yourself in their corner and, and teaching them. Um, and then I also love that you're using real stories, you know, other women's stories, your stories, because I find the standard, you know, when you're out searching for just basic financial literacy or financial advice. It's so standardized and in this weird mold of, you know what, if you stop having coffee every day, you'll you'll be able to save money and invest and get out of debt. Uh, it's just such like give up the gym. Yeah, give up the gym. Oh. Give up what you love. And, so and, you hate money forever. Yeah. So you hate your life. Yeah. You don't do anything fun yeah. and you will become a millionaire. Um, it's just it's just a message I see everywhere and it drives me crazy oh. every time. So I love that you're approaching it from a way where you can still do what you love. You know, you don't have to give up the world 
to be able to be good, be good at money and, and have, you know, reach your financial goals. So thank you for writing a piece of literature that is breaking out of the standard of we need to just sit in our homes that we can barely afford and, and do nothing all day. (laughs) Yeah, that's dumb. Uh, It is dumb. (laughs) But I mean, truly, you know, we get this one precious life. Uh, You, you can't just, have these two extremes where you're spending every single paycheck and saving nothing or saving so much where you're not living in the moment. You know, it's finding that balance where, and that's always what I, I like, I came up with my own financial planning definition, right? It's the, it's the gap that fills YOLO in making your future self proud, right? Yes. Yes. And in coming yes. up with that healthy relationship, because you have to spend money on the things that you love. Otherwise you're never going to be consistent and disciplined because it's like dieting, you know, like nobody wants to live on rice cakes forever. Like, you know, no. at some point, True. you're going to binge, you know, I actually think, I don't think rice cakes are the fat anymore, right? It's like a salami or something. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> and, and so you, you have to, to find that, that rhythm that, that works for you. So you can enjoy it and be consistent and disciplined because that's what builds wealth, right? What you do every day matters more than what you do once in a while and building off of those daily habits where you're, you're being intentional and, and choosing, mm-hmm. hey, you know what? I want this over that because I'm working towards this, right? Yeah. Yes. Now, I have a really kind of hot topic question for you. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> Sorry, I always, I always find one. Um, what are your thoughts on Dave Ramsey's system? I also think it's stupid. Oh, thank you. So- thank you. <laughs> That was the correct answer. Oh, okay. So I had a 50-50 shot of getting kicked off your podcast really early. It was a test. Okay. So, uh, you know, his system was, is great. Uh, Like 45 years ago Mm -hmm. uh, for like someone who had a pension coming to them with social security. Right. So that's not the world we live in anymore. And if you don't invest while paying down debt, I can't help you when you retire, right? Right. Mm-hmm. You yes. know, it's really cool to retire debt free, but if you don't have anything saved to live on, you're still going to have to work. So it's it's really critical to understand that, and then also understanding that any advice, any advice given about specific financial planning is not advice. Um, it's mm-hmm. general information that you need to get curious about and ask questions because anything when it comes to you in your future and what you want to do must be custom tailored because sometimes debt is a very cool tool and it yeah, helps it a is. lot of mm-hmm. people, right? It helps, it helps a ton of people make a ton of money. Uh, and it, it can be used as great leverage if you use it correctly. And so, um, I really think it's, it, it's so important to understand that and understand the difference. And $3,000 is not really an emergency reserve unless you're living at home with your parents. Yeah, it, yeah. exactly. Like, and, and one thing I see a lot from people who have gone through Dave Ramsey's program is yes, now they are debt-free, but mm-hmm. the mindset that they've learned being under his um, tutelage, we'll say, uh, I like that word. <laughs> they, they are now afraid to spend money. 
You know, like they're too afraid now to invest. They're too afraid to go out for dinner with their friends. They're too afraid to go on a trip. Um, So I think it's just, it's almost detrimental Mm -hmm. to, to their financial future because sure, they scrimped and saved and now they're fine. But, you know, like you said, there's no money that's been invested in and earning, uh, you know, dividends and interest. And you're really not any further ahead than you would have been with a little bit of debt, but some savings <laughs> that were invested. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And so, you know, it it has its space in place. And I, I've had many people who love it and sing its praises and, and it, it really changed um, a lot for them. And I think that's terrific. But um, most of the time, it's, it's just not practical uh, for everyone, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, if our listeners... Uh, want to pick up a copy of your book, where can they find it? Well, they can find it right on our website at powherhousemoney.com for U.S. only. And then for everybody internationally and in Canada, Amazon. Mm -hmm. It is on Amazon. Excellent. So listeners, you now know where you need to go, whether you're in the U.S. or Canada or international. Um, we highly suggest you pick up this book because I think we could all use a little bit of a no BS guide to how we should be handling our finances. Mm-hmm. I think it should be our February book I of the month, so. Laura. I think so. We're trying to start a book club, Nicole, like a, somehow a podcast oh, book club. It. And I think we're going to we're gonna have to put your book definitely in the cycle. Very cool. I love that idea. Yeah. Well, I love to ask a fun aspirational question <laughs> during our interviews and – you know, you're a amazing entrepreneur and I have a feeling that you're always stretching for your vision. And can you tell us what the future you are aiming for for Wilcox Financial Group and Powerhouse Money Coaching is? Where do you want to go from here on out? Oh, so many places. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a big question. It is a big question. You know, on my vision board, like in the center, it is, you know, creating this money movement and changing the relationship that women have with money and being the firm that's known for helping empower women to own their financial mm-hmm. future, like in the center of my vision board. And so that is what, as we grow, um, what mm-hmm. is front and center. And the, the biggest thing uh, this year, actually, that I'm, I'm going to work on, I don't know how it's going to look yet or work technically or logistically in full disclosure. Uh, I need to get some information on that, but I want to start a foundation. So I want to start a foundation for women where we can have um, the choice to decide who to help uh, when it comes to uh, finances. So if it is someone who is leaving in abusive relationship and they need the ability to learn how to manage their own money or how much they're going to need and get through that or get up on their own feet, uh, the ability to have funds to provide that as well as for entrepreneurs where uh, they they just need that leg up to, to get their business off and running. And it's a really good idea, but they can't get 
private funding. So, so things like that related to women and money, I'm working on the particulars. I'm kind of just whiteboarding it at this point. Uh, but I, I want it to be a way for us to give back. And so uh, mm-hmm. that is, is something that we're going to do and, and probably have a, a percentage of all of our uh, sales from Power House Money Coaching. I, I can't do that at all through Wilcox Financial Group, of course, because of compliance. You guys know this. <laughs> yes, yes, um, we do. Yes. <laughs> but uh, through Power House, you know, that that's my next move uh, is is mm-hmm. to, you know, is to go bigger and, and make a bigger impact. It, it's just working out the logistics at this point and in the details. So that's my my new move for, for 2022 mm-hmm. um, and, and what that looks like. I'm really, really inspired by that um, and, and and excited to see what what it can turn into. Well, that is absolutely amazing and inspiring. And we are 100% rooting for you and are really excited to follow that journey for you. That sounds incredible. Awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's something that is truly needed in our society. I, I just feel like so many women, they feel lost right? You know, they can't, yeah. they can't break away from a, an abusive spouse, as you were saying, um, because of finances a lot of the time. So if there's somewhere that like a resource that they can turn to and really be able to get out on their own, that's going to save lives. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's really going to save lives. So we are definitely excited to watch that unfold for you. And where can our listeners find and follow you so they can also share your journey? I would love them to follow us on Instagram. That is Pow Her House Money. And I'm sure you guys will have the link in the show notes. But yes, we will. On, um, yes. on our Instagram and our bio, we have a link to everything we have going on. So both of our websites, our, our book, our courses, workshops that we're doing, like you name it. So that's really uh, the best place to to come and engage. And then also, if you want to hop onto Facebook, we have our exclusive Money Bitch community that I'd love for everybody to join. Um, and I believe it's MB community because Facebook doesn't appreciate swearing like I do. Uh, <laughs> Fair <laughs> <so> enough. <laughs> I would uh, love for anybody to hop over there as well. That community is amazing. It's full of supportive women who are just cheering each other on. They're networking. We're always giving educational videos, advice, and um, and really trying to make it part of uh, you know something that everybody wants to be a part of and feels safe in. I love that. Now, is there a final message? that you would like to leave our listeners with? Anything we didn't of course, cover? Of course. Uh, you know, my, my final message, this is always my final message, is stop waiting. Uh, you know, take action on one thing on your, mm-hmm. you know, write down your, your three goals or what you know most. You already know what you need help with. And if you just take action on that one thing, it will start to unravel all of your potential. Oh, yes, that is so powerful. <laughs> I love that I know, so right? much. That just that just like warmed my heart. The best final message. Well, thank you so so much for joining us today. You have been absolutely amazing, and I'm so glad that you were able to come on the show and that we were able to meet. Yes, likewise. My pleasure. You guys are awesome. Oh, thank you so oh, much. You, you are welcome back anytime, Nicole. I mean, if, if there's another book coming out, you better come over here for a book launch party and we can discuss more finances. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a good time. <laughs>
All right. Well, listeners, that was our interview with Nicole Overcamp from Wilcox Financial Group and the Powher House Money Coaching. If you enjoyed this interview, please let us know on our Instagram, the tea with Laura and Rachel, and you can always send us an email, which is available in the show notes. And don't forget to follow, subscribe, and share this podcast. And if you feel called to, leave a five-star review. We will talk to you next week and live like tea. And live like tea. Hey, pod fam, we're back and welcome to the after eight tea party. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Rachel, Rachel, do you not, I'm sorry, do you not like that name? I thought I was being creative. No, it's so creative. (laughs) I think it's just because it's the first time we've done it and it just sounds so funny. Oh God. Okay. You know what? Just how Nicole said, like, I'm the wow, you're the how. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. See, this is why we're going to be great business, like co-business people for like the rest of our lives. And I'm happy about it. Oh, God. Okay. All right. Well, everyone can let us know if they like that name. Clearly, Rachel's like on the fence, not able to handle I I, herself. I think it's a vibe. But, you know, I, I find like it's just I don't know. It's just the way you say it. Oh. <laughs> it's just the way you said it. You said it was such like a like deep sultry tone where you're like it's the after hours party after hours party <laughs> okay well anyway this is just a little segment that we are now throwing on at the end of our interviews that we have um just to kind of debrief a little bit on our thoughts i personally mm-hmm. loved that chat with nicole mm-hmm. i think she is a powerful woman she is doing amazing things and like I need to be a fly on the wall for this journey because I know it's, it's going to change some lives. Um, her found just her bit on where she wants to go with her businesses and the foundation. I was like, this is one of the most inspiring things I think I've heard in a while. Yes. Yes. And this is where the financial industry needs to go. And I think yeah. we are getting like, like those people who are the more millennial generation, they're not the boomers. They're not their parents. They are just so much more in tune with what is going on in the world. And they actually want to help people. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not about like, okay, you are just a uh, number on my list here of clients. And how can I make the most money out of you? You know, Mm -hmm. it's not what that's not what it's about anymore. And and I love when there are companies that actually take an interest in their clients' lives um, mm-hmm. That's one thing I love about the company we're with. You know, we yeah. are literally a part of the family um, mm-hmm. with with our clients. So I just love seeing that someone who is actually taking the time to reassure someone who is highly anxious or just uninformed about money in general, and mm-hmm. actually take them under their wing because everyone deserves to have a financial education, no matter Definitely. like what bracket you're in. Definitely. And just somebody who has walked away from that world of making it so freaking complicated. You know, like she talked about it. She talked about it in the beginning of the episode where she wound up leaving her success, like her career uh, to go start her own business because she was like, one, they're not even talking to the wife in the room, Mm -hmm. which we definitely have a big problem with. And everything is worded in a way where 
it doesn't make sense to anybody. Mm-hmm. You're just supposed to sit there and trust what they're saying. And I just love seeing more people shift to a just making it something that your client can be a part of and actually be engaged in and understand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because there's so much financial jargon and Mm -hmm. it's there for a reason. And it was there by the old establishments that wanted to make it different for the average person to understand. And really, you know, um, if you kind of get out of that a little bit and just take a little time and do some research, it's not Mm -hmm. that complicated. Like money, money in itself actually is not a complicated thing, but banks and those traditional, you know, financial advisors made it complicated because mm-hmm. it's very lucrative, right? You know, you can create this barrier to entry so people do rely on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just definitely, love, yeah, I just love these um, new financial groups that are coming up now and mm-hmm. it's just so transparent about what is yes. going on with your money because, no matter if you have someone working with you or not, you should be able to ask that person and they should be able to explain it to you in layman's terms exactly what they're doing with your money. Mm-hmm. And springing off of this, I just love her money coaching company, the yes. Power House Money Coaching, because she's taking it back to the base, base level of financial coaching for women and yes. her clients mm-hmm. because, you know – there, I find that there's something emerging now, and we've talked about this in our work and also just offline as well, where it's almost in between that super complicated old banking system of mm-hmm. how they talked about money and what I feel like Nicole is doing, where it's like, oh, well, I'm bringing it down to more layman's terms, but this is still a pretty complex thing that yeah. I'm recommending you to do. Yeah. And you can't I don't I don't think that especially if it's somebody that has not been involved in the finances of their family or they're new to it or they're super anxious, you can't drop them into the deep end like that because then it's just either they're going to give up or they're going to scare themselves out of it. Yeah, and Nicole really is that guide for, you know, these women and I love that it's not just focusing on the money, like you said, you know, it's incorporating what's your family doing? What are the family goals? What are your business goals? Um, you know, how are those income streams working? Because it really is all connected. And mm-hmm. I just love that this is just an all-inclusive place where it's it's so easy to make a plan because everything's out in the open. You know, it's not like they're only looking at one income stream that you have, it's everything and what's happening with that money on all sides. So you just mm-hmm. get such a holistic and cohesive plan out of it. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope like more women um, take advantage of these services because, you know, back when we were talking about the personal and professional development, this mm-hmm. is one of those things that is going to absolutely catapult you to the next level with your with your life goals. Definitely, definitely. And I want to touch on the section where we were discussing how to set boundaries with mm-hmm. your clients because yes. I wanted to gauge your thoughts on it because I thought that she actually gave a very good point there that shifted my perspective when mm-hmm. it comes to the client relationship where she really did 
reaffirm it. Well, not necessarily reaffirm it, but kind of get through my skull that it is a relationship and there are going to be times in those relationships where you do have to be available and hold their hand. And I think that's a good point that's helping going to help me distinguish in my own career going forward, one, how to set boundaries and maintain them, but also where to kind of extend the line mm-hmm. a little like, bit. Like give grace to it, right? Yes, give grace. Like kind of, a, yeah, like give some grace to it. And, you know, if somebody needs you, maybe you give them, you know, an extra extra like 20% of your time mm-hmm. if you can. Yeah. And I think that she made very good points about how – you know, it is a deep relationship when you're in this position and it is an honor that people mm-hmm. are trusting you. It is, And yes. I, I don't know, I guess because, you know, we're still pretty junior, so we're not necessarily in that role yet where people are coming to us directly with their stuff. But I think moving forward as we excel in our careers, that's something that we should take with us. Absolutely. And I I felt very much um, a connection back to an episode we did a few months ago on work-life balance because mm-hmm. we had touched on the same topic, but from a relationship like with your with your spouse mm-hmm. point of view, where you know, sometimes there's gonna be that 80% of your attention, hundred percent of your attention, and forty percent of your attention, right? I think this mm-hmm. is just the reciprocal of that on the other side, right? Because sometimes Mm -hmm. um, with those client relations, like you just said, sometimes you need to give a little bit more Mm -hmm. and then other times you don't have to. So it's, it really is fluid. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did love what she said at the beginning of, of this topic where you set those time boundaries. And, and I think also in a lot of, um, since the financial boundary as well, like, you know, this is an hour of my time. This is what an hour of my time is worth because mm-hmm. it does separate you as that professional person who they can go to and trust because mm-hmm. you have so much respect for your own self and time yes. that they in turn now have that same respect towards you. Um, yeah, I, I love when people set like, okay, you want to talk from like four to five, we're talking from four to five. We're not talking from four to five 30. I feel like that is just, especially for women, you know, Mm -hmm. I feel like we get so much drawn into that. Like, oh, it's fine. We'll just, we'll keep going. I have somewhere to be, but like, don't worry about it. Um, We'll just, we'll just uh, cancel that. (laughs) Yeah. Like, but like badass women, you know, we are badass women. So when we say we're done at five, we're done at five. Um, mm-hmm. There is no going over. You know, we might have kids to go pick up. We've got activities to go do. We've got the rest of our day to live. So I do love that she just said, you know, set those from the beginning um, mm-hmm. because then no one's ever going to cross those boundaries, right? It's so much harder to not have any boundaries and then put those walls up and everyone's just like, hey, like what's wrong with you, right? Like you mm-hmm. always let me call you on a Sunday night from on your cell phone at home. Mm-hmm. So yeah, for anyone who is like early in their career or even not, like just have those boundaries because everyone else is just going to walk over you because they they don't care about your time if if you give it to them. Don't answer emails on the weekend if you don't nope. have to. Nope, don't do that. Nope, 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 nope. Don't do it. <laughs> See, I think that's something that we should maintain. Oh, that, well, that 
I don't yeah. answer emails on the weekend. I don't know about you. <laughs> I don't. I don't either. But like, I'll look at them and I'm like, I need to stop doing it because then it stresses me out on Sunday. <laughs> oh, see, I can't. I I love the security system where I can't access email. I mean, I could if I turned on my computer, but like, pff, I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> you know, you're like, I'm busy. <laughs> yeah, like I actually cannot get onto the system if if needed. I mean, an emergency. Sure, sure I could. Mm-hmm. But on the average weekend, nothing is that important uh, mm-hmm. that needs to be taken care of. Yeah. yeah. Well, I also think too that her book is going to be our first book club book. Because I think it has to be. I think it does. I think so. Yeah. I, when she was talking about it, I was like, this hits pretty much every single one of our values and I love it. Yeah. And I love that it's a finance book that is told as as a story because mm-hmm. oh, there's nothing worse than picking up a dry personal finance book. And like, it's like, and then if you do the budget this way, uh, including removing the gym membership that you love, you'll be a millionaire. Yeah. And I, in particular, I want to read her why we hate budgets chapter because yeah, I also I hate really budgets do. and don't, okay, quote unquote, believe in them. Um, I'll have to go into detail about that one day, not tonight. And I, I would love to know her point of view and, and take on that. Um, mm-hmm. So yes, we are definitely going to be picking up a copy for sure. Yeah. So any of our listeners, definitely join us in that endeavor because it just seems so perfect. Exactly. It's January 31st when we're recording this. So I think uh, this will be our when we when this comes out, I guess it'll be like our March book of the month, I think. Yeah. Let's make it March's yeah. March book. <laughs> Perfect. That gives us some time to order it. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yes. All right. What were your thoughts on working with the highly uninterested or highly anxious client? Hmm. I really enjoyed her philosophy on how yes. to approach those types of people because you have to make it engaging as in what do you want? Mm -hmm. Why are you here? Because if your client can't identify that and they don't know what their goals are, they don't know why they want something, Mm -hmm. they're not going to stay interested. Like they're just going to, you know, say they think I want to buy a house. Okay, first of all, why do you want to buy a house? But if they don't actually want that, they're just going to spend the money that they would have say uh, put towards savings for that house and go to Sephora. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like it's, it's identifying um, – I just love the way she described it as identifying almost what makes them tick and working from there because that's how you engage somebody is through interest. So yeah. I, I really agreed with it. Yeah, and it builds that rapport with your client because, you know – um, the old philosophy w- was your client, they were just numbers on the spreadsheet, right? Like mm-hmm. numbers on the financial statement where now it's like, like, you know, more about your client than probably some of their friends do know about yeah. them, you know, like it's that intimate and Definitely. breaking into those barriers and asking the why and those hard questions, um, that really establishes that trust as well. And I find, mm-hmm. you know, as soon as you have that trust with the client, they are happy to be open and receptive of, of where you can provide assistance in their, in mm-hmm. their life. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I agree. So, yep. 
Finance. It's really about relationships in this world, guys. It is. At You're- least when <laughs> – you're pretty At least much a when therapist. It's around financial planning. You <laughs> yeah. you pretty much are a therapist. So, yeah. So if it sounds interesting to you for anybody that's trying to, you know, figure out where they want to go for their career, there you go. Yep. Hey, maybe maybe we just reached someone who found their new calling. Um, I think so. Yes. Oh, and you know what? I forgot to ask Nicole if she only works with uh, U.S. clients or if she is open oh, to international. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we should definitely. We will definitely follow up with her on on that one and um, put it in the show notes and on Instagram um, mm-hmm. because I think that's really important if any of our listeners in the States are looking for, uh, you know, the professional coaching or just financial management, definitely mm-hmm. reach out to Nicole. Like she is someone who will definitely steer you in the right direction. Um, and for like Canadians and, and the international listeners, I will have to investigate only because there are a lot of restrictions yeah. with uh, cross-border uh, financial management. And also because we just have very different like tax systems and investment mm-hmm. vehicles that it does make it a little bit tricky. But I'm sure if you have like questions, you know, definitely reach out to Nicole and her team also pick up her book because I think you're just going to get a wealth of knowledge from there. Definitely. Yeah. Well, do you have any closing thoughts? I think I think that's all. That's all we got to say tonight. We hope our listeners enjoyed the after a tea party. Amazing. Overcome <laughs> <laughs> oh, the name. Okay, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should keep it. It, it warms like my it. heart. It warms your heart. Yeah, okay, good. Good. Yeah, yeah. It's just you know you say it in such a you're just like a whisper. You're like it's it's like a nightclub. You know? <laughs> it is. This is the after episode wrap party. Okay, it's it exclusive is. It is. for anyone yeah. who's still here listening. Thank you. We love you. Mm-hmm. Please come back next week. Thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs>